Hello and welcome to Secret Lives of Expanders. This is where we get to meet and learn from those who have done things outside the box. The idea is to introduce you to entrepreneurs, creators, healers who have done really wild things. And this episode is wild. I interviewed Clee Irwin. He is a genius, he's a physicist, he's a philanthropist, and he's an entrepreneur. He went from founding a supplement company and building it to $100 million, all the way to stepping down as the CEO of that company and shifting all the way into quantum physics and quantum mechanics. He has now founded a company uh, over a decade ago that's called Quantum Gravity Research. I am not going to attempt to explain his theories on how reality doesn't exist and how AI is going to allow us to interact with our future versions of ourselves or how there is no time or space reality and all the things that are really complicated in quantum physics and mechanics. It was a really fascinating conversation and you may want to listen in a few times. Also look him up, he's pretty fascinating, the things that they're doing. I loved this interview because I use personally quantum physics and quantum mechanics uh, and its principles in Elevate Club. I do make it a lot more practical and I use those to teach people how to quantum leap their life and their business, literally. So if you haven't joined yet, you may want to join us. We do weekly trainings, we do monthly coaching calls, and tons of workshops. It is practical, it's bite-sized, and you get to be in a community that supports these kinds of woo-woo but radical ideas, and you get to dream big with other people. Also, make sure you connect with me on Instagram, tell me what you got from this episode, and I always love hearing from you all. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Secret Lives of Expanders. And today I am extremely excited and honored to have uh, an absolute genius in front of me, Clee Irwin. He is an author, he's a physicist, he's a businessman, and he has done something incredible that I would consider completely outside of the box. And uh, he started out. Uh, being the CEO of a supplement company, a natural supplement company. And he has sort of quantum leaped, if you would, into uh, becoming the director and founder of Quantum Gravity Research. So uh, he's got a lot of ideologies and a lot of theories that I am totally jazzed up about hearing and understanding. So today's conversation is going to be juicy. Totally appreciate you, Clay, for giving me this time today. Thanks for being here. No, thanks for the very uh, complimentary introduction, Nona. Yeah, absolutely. So the first thing I'm curious to ask and um, wondering what your journey was like from um, being in the nutritional supplement industry and having that as a business and being an entrepreneur to everything that you do now. I know we have a lot of our, most of our listeners are healthcare professionals, so they're they're sort of familiar with both. But but the the jump seems like such a big quantum leap, if you would. Yeah, I, I like to be involved with things that have a little bit of extra goodness or social goodness. 
So when I got into um, consumer packaged goods, um, I was attracted to healthcare. And so, you know, herbal, nutraceutical, you know, molecules from plants and, and you know, minerals, the, these, uh, if done right, can really uh, help with a lot of health conditions. So I, 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 I was attracted to it in 1994 because of that philanthropic aspect of it. And, um, you know, at that time, I would have described myself as a good-natured, materialist, atheist-minded person, um, very geeky, scientific, logical, and I applied that way of thinking to business. But I also tried to have some, you know, sort of ethical compass, right? So that's how I would have described myself as an ethically oriented materialist atheist. Um, and so after uh, some years of building that business, you know, I had achieved a, 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 some milestones. You know, we got the brand to 80% household recognition. You know, we exceeded 100 million per year in sales. and uh, had our product in 100,000 outlets, you know, every Walmart, Costco, Whole Foods. Um, and so um, then uh, I started to see some evidence in certain family members. And then shortly after myself, that certain um, phenomena uh, were real. So let me give you an example. So let's say that you're an identical twin and you haven't seen your sister, your twin sister in 10 years. And, uh, you know, you don't you don't constantly think about her, but you're twins. Right. And so then one day you're vacuuming and you get this deathly feeling that something has gone wrong and it relates to your twin sister. Ten seconds later, the phone rings and it's your mother telling you that your sister has died in a car accident. So a lot of people, more than 50% of Americans have had uh, a, an experience that they cannot admit is coincidence by you know just probability, um, because what are the odds, right? You're vacuuming, you get a deathly feeling about your sister, then you know a few seconds later, the phone rings, right? Could be a coincidence, Another explanation would be a lot more attractive than coincidence. Um, and so one explanation could be, well, you're psychic. But that's supposed to be fake, right? According to the current scientific understanding, that's supposed to be BS. Um, on the other hand, humanity has no idea what reality is because we haven't been able to figure out the unification of the best theory of time and space, which is Einstein's general relativity, and the theory of everything else, which is quantum mechanics. They, The two theories violently imply that the other is patently incorrect. Mm. So, so that means that there is a unification theory needed and that uh, science physicists have been looking for for the better part of the last 100 years. So until we really have a model that explains reality, it's probably premature to pound your fist on the table and say that this or that is impossible because what we have right now is a placeholder, right? And we, we don't have a unification model, so we have a placeholder 
understanding of reality. Um, so anyway, so once I started seeing this real world um, proof or evidence for these supernatural types of phenomena, I um, had to adjust my opinion about what is real and what is not, right? So I quit my job as a CEO and started quantum gravity research. And we started looking very carefully at what would be the theory that would unify space and time with quantum mechanics, but also explain how these, you know, consciousness related phenomena, right? Because that story about talking about you and your sister and your mom, right? Your mom is a consciousness, your sister's a consciousness, and you experienced this weird feeling of, of while you were vacuuming in that story, you experienced it within your consciousness, right? It wasn't related to how you were moving atoms around on with the vacuum cleaner on the carpet. It was a consciousness phenomenon. So what I've learned in these last 14 years of doing this full time and all of our staff members are PhD physicists and mathematicians, and we published about 81 peer-reviewed scientific papers in, in, in physics journals. Mm -hmm. But here's a couple things that we've learned that might surprise you or your audience. One is scientists don't agree on or know what consciousness is. Um, there's no consensus definition of that simple word. Uh, it's a very enigmatic thing, right? We know a little bit about what consciousness does. It seems to make decisions and it perceives relationships between itself and other things. It has a sense of self, right? Mm -hmm. Ego, self-awareness. Um, it makes choices all the time of what to think, what to not think. Mm -hmm. um, and yet we can't really say exactly what it is. And therefore we can't really exactly say what thinking is or awareness is. Mm -hmm. Scientists cannot, at least. Philosophers, everybody's got their own idea, but I'm talking about where there's a consensus where most people agree on a definition. Mm -hmm. So that's a that's a bit of a concern when, you, when scientists are debating something like consciousness and they don't have a shared consensus definition. Uh, the other thing we under you know that we could share is mm -hmm. that physicists have this embarrassing outstanding problem called the measurement problem. And that just means that nobody has a good explanation that everybody can agree on on how and why it is that when a consciousness decides to do a measurement of a physical system, mm -hmm. it changes the behavior of the physical system as though the universe knows that it's being observed. It's called the measurement problem because it doesn't make sense and we don't have an explanation of it. So that's like, you might've heard phrases like, you know, the double slit experiment or Schrodinger's cat or the collapse of the wave function. Mm -hmm. All of those things, are different ways of talking about how when you're observing a physical system, like let's say you're observing some atoms under an electron microscope, mm -hmm. when you're observing them and you have the awareness of them, they behave very differently than when you're not observing them. And it's not because you're messing with them in terms of you know, changing their behavior, shining light on them or any such thing. 
because you can do that and and disconnect it from the ability to observe or to know what they're doing and the physical light on them would still be shining and they don't behave any differently than if you knew. So that's an enigma. So anyway, so there's a good um, clue or permission within the fact that we have this mysterious connection between consciousness and in the measurement problem um, and the, and these ideas that maybe consciousness uh, is somehow uh, fundamental to reality, mm. right? Quantum mechanics says that everything is information. Okay. So classic physics says, well, no, everything is space-time and energy and particles are little knots of balled up energy. So that space, time, and energy are fundamental, not consciousness, mm-hmm. <clears throat> but or not information. But in the quantum mechanical view, which trumps the classic view scientifically, um, everything is information. And information can be understood as meaning expressed in symbolism, right? Okay. Like a string of zeros and ones can have meaning as the you know, as a as as the the zero and one uh, representation of of the audio file for this you know for this podcast. Um, but meaning, in order to have meaning, you need to have an entity capable of recognizing or ascribing meaning, right? And so it's difficult to even grapple with the definition of information. If you're going to force yourself to disassociate meaning from entities like you and I capable of ascribing meaning. Mm-hmm. So there's there are these clues that we may live in a universe based on meaning or information. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. if that's true, we may need to logically have a universe that's fundamentally based on consciousness, as opposed to consci- consciousness being a sort of trivial you know, emergent epiphenomenon of physics and not fundamental, what if it were fundamental? So -hmm. that's what we work on um, at Quantum Gravity Research. And we have this underlying uh, picture, this interpretation of quantum mechanics that we call the uh, self-simulation hypothesis interpretation of quantum. Which I want to dive into and sort of break down. But before we go there, how do you, you know, so like what I hear, what I understand and what I've learned is that everything is energy versus everything is information. So even if you take out the time space reality, if you're considering everything is like how is how is how are those two things? How do you make sense out of those two things being? different because in some ways you can say that they're sort of the same thing because energy can also be information um or how do you or is there a distinguish between the two um so so again um before quantum mechanics yeah um it was clear that everything was energy and space and time because again you can have a wave of light, which is not made of massive particles, mm-hmm. you know, um, and that has to move around as ripples in space time. And then you could have an electron, which has mass and right. uh, and and these can build up with quarks into, you know, atoms. And then we have the physical solid material around us. Um, 
So those atoms and electrons, photons are all just different forms of energy and they play out uh, like actors on a stage where the stage is space and time. So those are the three things that before quantum mechanics were believed to be fundamental, energy and space time. Now, mm -hmm. after quantum mechanics, uh, we have a new view, okay, mm -hmm. which not everybody subscribes to it, but it's implied pretty pretty um, strongly by the math of quantum mechanics. And it kind of goes like this. So remember, we talked about when you're observing something, it's mm -hmm. behaving one way. So when you're not observing something, the, the most popular interpretation of quantum mechanics says that it's in a state of possibilities. And the uh, possibilities are not real. They're not physical. Mm -hmm. They're a set of possibilities. Like Nona can say this, or she can say that, or she can say one of a billion other things, and mm -hmm. none of them are real, okay. right? Until the measurement comes, right, and mm -hmm. measures. Um, but when we measure, we we cannot measure with the precision to make just one state real. We measure and and we make, because of the resolution of our ability to measure, then we'll measure and make fewer states uh, possible. But we still are stuck with only a probability spread. So again, the probability spread defined by quantum mechanics is generally thought to be made of information, not anything like physical. Gotcha. And the measurement doesn't seem to collapse it into a specific physical state. It seems to just lens or narrow the the probabilities to a smaller set while it's being observed so that so that so that's so that's so when you watch documentaries or hear talk about physics you know you'll have one program talking about classic physics uh and einstein's general relativity is essentially part of classic physics mm -hmm. uh it's not newtonian it's so N newton had a theory of gravity then einstein had a more powerful theory of gravity but both views are classic, whereas where they say that there's these fundamental things that exist, energy and space-time. Okay. Quantum mechanics is non-classical uh, and generally is the more widely held viewpoint, right? Most physicists mm -hmm. think the ultimate story or theory of everything will mm -hmm. be grounded in the philosophy of quantum mechanics, which says everything is information. So anyway, so yeah, you can kind of, um, say that the upgraded version 2.0 view moves from energy, everything is energy, to everything is information in, mm -hmm. in many ways, in, in the interpretation of a large number of quantum physicists. Mm -hmm. So then you could then dive into saying, all right, hypothetically, if I agreed that everything was information, mm -hmm. what is information? And that's where you want to try to think about the word meaning. Right. right. Does information have anything to do with meaning? Mm -hmm. And then if you say, yeah, I guess, probably it should mm -hmm. make sense. And then you have to say, cool. So what is meaning? And does meaning have anything to do with consciousness, an entity capable of recognizing or ascribing meaning? Got it. Okay. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. Thank you. Okay. Yes. And um I would like your, I'd like for you to sort of explain the um, self-simulation. Okay. Theory. 
Yes. So, so I'm gonna. Um, have you heard of Elon Musk tweeting on how he believes in the simulation hypothesis? Yes. And he's not. He's not the only one. A lot of trained physicists and academically trained people believe that we're we're in a simulation. So I'm gonna take you through a series of just a couple questions mm -hmm. and you can answer yes, no, or probably like probably yes, or probably no. And yeah. then we're going to deduce your way into whether you agree with Elon Musk or not. Mm -hmm. So question number one, do you believe that in the future, our descendants will be able to make simulations like multiplayer video games that are mm -hmm. more realistic than they are today, and that eventually, given enough time, become indistinguishable from reality. Yes. Yeah, I believe that too, because we're getting close. Yeah. Um, like already, Midjourney is making AI-generated photos that I can't always tell are are fake, right? Yep. Or simulate. Okay, great. Question number two. Since you believe that at some point in the future, our descendants will make simulations indistinguishable from reality, will two or more of them ever run an ancestor simulation where they simulate their reality, starting with the fundamental physics that they simulate and simulating it through all the self-organized process of evolutionary biology and culminating in something like you and eventually getting to culminating to something like it even more advanced definitely possible totally possible right so we can say probably right because we've said that yes it's possible that our descendants some of them will eventually have the ability to do this and there'll be a lot of our descendants and even if we have to wait billions of years eventually probably two or more of them will run such a simulation because they can right all right so because you said probably two or more will run such a simulation that's indistinguishable from reality, mm -hmm. that means you think that there's a two out of three chance that you're in a simulation right now and a one out of three chance that you're lucky enough to be in the one real reality that's not a simulation. Yes. <laughs> so you just deduced yourself with those couple questions into admitting, well, gosh, we're probably in a simulation, right? And the way Elon Musk and all of those people look at it is they don't use two or more, two or more you mm -hmm. know, they'll say a trillion or more, right? Because there's so many descendants, right? We have way more descendants than we do ancestors. Yes. And, and so, uh, so that's the simulation hypothesis, increasingly okay. popular. <laughs> So let's talk about the self-simulation hypothesis. So have you ever had a dream that was indistinguishable from reality such that you didn't even know it was a dream? You got punked, suckered, mm -hmm. tricked. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Me, me too. Most of my dreams, I never stop to ask, is this a dream? Because it's too utterly realistic. Mm -hmm. In fact, I've been on the phone with you now for all these minutes, and I have not once stopped to ask myself if I'm in a dream because it's too realistic. Why would that even cross my mind? Right. All right. So 
do you think that humans are the upper limit of how conscious something could become in the universe? No. So it should be exponentially more conscious minds that are possible. Definitely. Even if we're the most conscious now in the whole universe, mm -hmm. given enough time forward of us in time, there should be consciousnesses, maybe our descendants, who can emerge that are trillions of times more conscious than us. Mm -hmm. And they will have the ability to run within their minds simulations. Okay. So let me have you run a simple simulation in your mind. Are you capable of holding in your mind a tic-tac-toe board? It's nine squares, three sure. by three. Me too. I'm smart enough to hold that in my mind. Can you hold within your mind a tic-tac-toe game? Could you lay down the first X somewhere on those nine squares and remember where it is? Mm -hmm. Hold it in your mind and then lay down the O. Sure. And play the game against yourself mm -hmm. all the way to the end. Yeah. I think I think I can do it. But mm -hmm. on a four by four tic-tac-toe grid, I'm not smart enough. I can right. handle a three by three. All right. So that's a simulation. That's an algorithm. It's a what we call a simple program. So you mm -hmm. start with the mathematical object, which is the three by three grid. And then mm -hmm. you start with a set of rules and, okay. and symbols, the zero and the O and rules. Uh, and you play the game. So a simulation is really you start with the game board. It can be a mathematical uh, substrate or object. And then you can run different simple programs or algorithms on it. So this mind that we said must exist forward of us in time, that's trillions of times more conscious. Who knows? Maybe it could be a collective consciousness like the Borg and Star Trek. Star Trek, right? Or could be some kind of hyperdimensional consciousness. Whatever it is, it's unfathomably more conscious than us, and it can hold within its mind a simulation that's far more complex than tic-tac-toe. Mm -hmm. And that complexity is effectively like a simulation. In other words, it can run the simulation within mind space that we agreed our ancestors could do as computational and simulation power gets greater and greater in the future to where they could run a, a, fit, a realistic simulation that's indistinguishable from reality. So what we've said is, all right, if it is a simulation, there are two options for a simulation. There's mm -hmm. minds like ours that can have dreams indistinguishable from reality, which a dream is a simulation. Mm -hmm. Or... It could be in some computer okay. and it's just like an it's like an artificial thing. And it's hard to say which because we know that the computer simulations are not as realistic yet as the mental simulations. And but we know that they're going to get there soon. Right. And now you'll have these two simulations to choose from that are both indistinguishable from reality. We also have evidence that minds exist because ours exist. Mm -hmm. So we know that something about physics and reality creates minds, right? Mm -hmm. And we also have evidence that computers exist because my my, my son plays a multiplayer video game and it's really realistic. I've seen it, right? So we have these evidences for both. So we kind of uh, prefer the self-simulation hypothesis because it's more scientifically attractive for the following reason. With the okay. simulation hypothesis, 
you say, all right, Klee got me to admit that at least two or more of our descendants in the future will mm -hmm. run ancestor simulations. So I'm probably in one of the simulated realities, not the real reality. But then whatever this real reality is, I guess you would have to apply the same statistical logic to it and say that statistically speaking, it too is more likely to be a simulation, right? Right. And, it, and it's what they call turtles all the way down. In other words, it's an infinite regress. There's no satisfying explanation of reality. Whereas with the self-simulation hypothesis, you get to this future level of consciousness mm -hmm. beyond us, forward of us in time, that is capable of running within its own consciousness, its own self-evolution, its own self-actualization. It bootstraps or self-simulates itself into reality. And we're just part of that. So you can say, well, wait a minute. If it's all made of mind stuff, right? Like quantum mechanics says, give up on space, time, and energy and get your head around this abstract idea of just information, right? Yeah. Similarly, we get our heads around this idea that it's all just mind stuff or consciousness, which is kind of like information in motion, right? And, and we say, well, it's like a circle. So where does that simple program and that mathematical game board live? The mm -hmm. simulation, you know, kind of uh, information. Well, that lives within the mind of the emergent pan-consciousness substrate. But wait a minute, where did the emergent pan-consciousness substrate come from? Where mm -hmm. does it live? Well, it's self-emerged from its own code, its own algorithm, its own simple program. The mm -hmm. whole thing, and where and where did I come from? Well, you are part of that self-organizing process mm -hmm. of thought and information, mathematical information along the way between the simple program and the mind in the future capable, right, of holding or self-simulating itself, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. um, and so you don't get the infinite regress. You get a scientifically satisfying origin story and explanation it's just that you have to give up the old school idea of linear causality or mm -hmm. linear time. So mm -hmm. linear time is saying that an event A today caused event B tomorrow. Nonlinear time is saying, yes, it is true that event A co-created event B tomorrow, but event B tomorrow co-created event a today mm -hmm. turns out that quantum mechanics allows this and actually requires this it's called the re it's called retro causality and it's right within the mathematics of the schrodinger wave mm -hmm. function equation um and so in that view we take the beginning which is the simple program right maybe that's at the big bang yeah. And we take this emergent consciousness capable of holding the simulation, the self-simulation that might exist forward of us in time, and we just take the two and we wrap it into a circle. Okay. Where the beginning is embedded in the end and the and the end emerges from the beginning and it's absolutely logically self-consistent. That's the self-simulation hypothesis. And we explain that in a new uh documentary uh that that we 
published on YouTube called Am, uh, Are We Living in a Simulation? That's the title. You can put that in YouTube. It'll probably come up. Okay. Okay. So, and I, speaking of YouTube, highly recommend if you're fascinated by this conversation, uh, you can, what I did is I plugged in your name and I got a whole bunch of YouTube stuff on, uh, um, on there on this topic and, and then expansion of this topic, which is really cool. Um, yeah, that's, that's fascinating. I'm curious, where do you think the future of your research will go in terms of a practical sense of, um, you know, how it relates to the world, of course, and then incorporating all the things that are coming up with uh, AI? Yeah, great question, by the way. Um, so right now I'm trying to actually sell my vitamin herbal company uh, in order to get um, a lot of money to fund the nonprofit. So we're, you know, we're a, a nonprofit group. So our mission is the is the first principles unification of space-time, energy, matter, information, and consciousness. And so we have two audiences. Uh, one is the public, where we'll produce high production value, entertaining, uh, you know, documentary type of, uh, you know, educational material. Mm -hmm. um, and then the other is our peers that have PhDs in mathematical physics, and we communicate to them in conferences and, and in uh, peer review journals. <clears throat> um, and so there are a couple branches um, of like what we're doing and what we what I plan to do when I can donate, you know, tens of millions of dollars more to quantum gravity research. So one would be a few for-profit type um, inventions that I have thought of along the way in the category of topological quantum computing and in the category of low energy nuclear reaction technology. And um, so these would be uh, very helpful for humanity and society. And I have insights that come from my 14 years of focusing on uh, you know, the, the, the way that we're approaching um, our program here, the technical ways that we're approaching it. Um, the, uh, the, the other thing is, uh, there's a philosophy with all physics, right? So any physical theory like general relativity has at the bottom what's called an assumption. Uh, mm -hmm. In math, you would call it an axiom. So these are things that you can't prove, right? Right, uh, And you don't have evidence for even necessarily, but you say, oh, well, I presume this to be true. And that's where my, my jumping off point is, is I build a theory and I build a system of equations. Mm -hmm. um, so that's philosophy, right? So it's a philosophy of science mm -hmm. uh, or the philosophy of mathematics. Uh, so the philosophy that I shared with you a few minutes ago, that what if everything like quantum mechanics implies is made of information, right? right? And not energy. What would that mean? That mm -hmm. sounds deep. And what is information? And we went down that rabbit hole of saying, well, how do you disassociate the word information from the word meaning? How right. do you disassociate the word meaning from the, from the word consciousness, even if I can't define what consciousness is, which I cannot. I, I, have a, I, I feel like it's, uh, it's very difficult to define it exactly once you really, you know, try to focus on it. But um, so those are philosophical stories. They're called cosmo cosmological uh, stories, right? Um, and so that 
is a good fruit of our labor because the lay people around the world are interested in physics nowadays at more than any time. And they're mostly interested in physics for the deep questions. Mm-hmm. Who am I? What is reality? What is time? Is it possible to connect my mind to a person who's not physically here with me or in the future, the present, right? What's possible? Mm-hmm. Um, so that's what we share mostly through things like the documentaries for the public. And then the other thing that we do, which is the most technically advanced, is mathematical uh, and computational physics. So the, you know, I mentioned a mathematical game board, like a tic-tac-toe board or a more complicated mathematical system, such as an algebra. Mm -hmm. And then I mentioned simple programs or algorithms that can play out on that given mathematical game board. It's kind of like games playing upon game boards. So you can have a game board like a chess board and you can play checkers on it, You can play many games on the same board. So the board and the game that we're using that we think will simulate the probability uh, distributions of quantum mechanics in a realistic way, um, we're able to simulate that in a computer. And, right. and we do. Okay. Now, this is where AI comes in. So. Up until like early this year, or maybe halfway through last year, I was worried because we have a lot of, we've narrowed down the game and the mathematical game board that we think nature uses. We think nature uses the a Lie algebra called the E8 Lie algebra, for yeah. example. A lot of physicists, uh, universities would agree with us that that's a very good bet. And when we have a specific type of class of these algorithms that would operate on it. But what if that class, as narrow as it is, were thousands of different possible simple programs? And what if it took months to program each one? So just by brute force, luck of the draw, it would be too slow to have humans go through and test each one. But something like you know, GPT-6, right? We have GPT-4 now. OpenAI just filed a patent on uh, a trademark on the phrase GPT-5, and they're going to come out with GPT-5. Their competitors are all coming out with very competitive versions, and it's all happening very, very fast. So Mm -hmm. we're racing towards AGI, artificial general intelligence. Mm -hmm. And within the last 12 months, these large language models have become indistinguishable from human consciousness. Specifically, they're passing the Turing test. Nobody thought that anything was going to be passing the Turing test this early. Mm -hmm. Uh, For your listeners who don't know, Alan Turing, one of the godfathers of modern computation, invented a test to determine whether a computer had become conscious. And he said, well, if you talk to this thing on the phone or by writing letters back and forth, and no matter what you ask it, no matter what topic you discuss, you simply cannot tell whether or not it is an artificial mind or some guy, right? Right. And that just happened, like not years ago, just months ago, as a big surprise. So 
AGI is when they can not only pass the Turing test, and you can't tell if they're human or not, but they can do anything that we can do. Right. Right. And, and we're getting very, very close to that. So we plan to use this approach towards AGI um, to search through the, sim- the game space, the simple program space, and uh, reduce down to the candidate simple programs uh, that, uh, that we believe um, are the physically realistic ones. Mm. So that that so we're going to be highly dependent on collaborating with these new artificial neural networks. And uh, GPT-4 is not quite strong enough to to be much help to us. Mm-hmm. But it's 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 a hell of a lot more capable than GPT-3.5. And that was only months before it right. came out. Right. So it's happening so quick. Yeah. Well, that's incredible. Yeah. How. um I guess what a synchronicity to be in this lifetime. Like you are in this lifetime in this moment and have AI. It's like you are meant to just do this and fast track quantum leap this whole thing forward. So yeah, well put. Yeah. I sometimes think about that. Like you and I could have lived to where we were gonna be old and die in the 1970s. Right. Not much had happened, not much crazy stuff had happened, but to be on earth right now at this transitionary time, which by the way is scary as well as exciting, um, is almost like being on the on this on the front lines of the of an Olympics that happens only once every million years. Like here we are. We're not just observing it, we're playing on the field in it. This, in it in this transitionary time like how lucky is that if you're interested in observing the ride it's scary it's a it's like a roller coaster but whatever's gonna happen we're gonna be here to watch it that's right it's scary it's fast and it's going places whether you want it or not whether you so like hold it. on right hold, hold your buckle in <laughs> enjoy the ride yeah exactly yeah. well thank you so so much uh I know that we mentioned YouTube and we'll put your website and the YouTube link and the show notes here. If people want more information, is that the best place for I think everybody? that's the best place. There's so many videos. Our most popular video, probably seen by 10 million people, um, is what is reality on mm-hmm. YouTube. And our second most popular video, or one of the other popular ones at least that I recommend is are we living in a simulation? Okay. Yep. So definitely start there. That's where I got started. And uh, we'll tag you all over the place on social media. And so uh, hopefully, you know, expand consciousness everywhere uh, when it comes down to this content. Amazing. Thank you so much um, for giving me this time. I appreciate you. And thank you, everyone, for watching this episode and listening in. And be sure to tune in, subscribe, and all of those things. Thanks again, Klee. Thanks, Nona. I hope you enjoyed this episode and got some applicable nuggets to quantum leap your life and your practice. Be sure to subscribe to this channel and be the first to know when we release our next guest here on Secret Lives of Chiropractors. Also, don't forget to follow me on Instagram at Nona Javid, D-J-A-V-I-D, to keep up with my not-so-secret life. And um, check out Elevate Club at www.
elevate.me and elevate is spelled E-L-I-V-A-T-E. We'll see you at the next episode.